Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is Sean Catanese. Hi, this is Ricky Hayashi. I have been replaced. No, you haven't. <laughs> What's he doing here then? Well, he, he's your long-term replacement, but short-term you still have a bunch of episodes to do and for who us. is he? He is Jose Bovida, level one in Sacramento. And I am not replacing you, Ricky. That is hard to do. In fact, I'd say it's nigh impossible. <laughs> nigh impossible. Yes. But uh, nonetheless. Look, that's enough nerd banter out of you. <laughs> <laughs> we one can, of, we, one we of have... our listeners wants us to get to business, so start reciting the rules now, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we start, got an email. Yeah, start reading comp it's rules. Like does, rule 100. I don't want to hear about you go. guys talking about Star Trek anymore. But I love Star Trek. We we spent like all dinner talking about how awesome Iron Man was, and so we awesome. got that out of our system. Is that what you're saying? So, nerd banter is over. Let's get into magic. But well, with I haven't nerd... done anything with magic recently. Nothing at all. You're like, you're like killing it before it's. <laughs> well, did did you go to the uh, national qualifier, Jose? I did not go to the national qualifier. Pray tell, why not? Uh, I probably was watching Kick-Ass at a drive-in movie. Uh, <laughs> and the national qualifier was all of seven hours south of us here. Yeah, that, that, and, and we, that was mentioned in another podcast. Uh, it's been mentioned a few times by a bunch of people. Um, that, How it utterly sucks. <sighs> that's one way to put it, yeah. It utterly sucks. I, you know, I really it was hope, crappy. It's hilarious. I was reading Alexander Shearer's blog. Gifts yeah, and given. how he was going to go and then couldn't at the last minute, basically. And he, or, or, well, but he also mentioned someone else had calculated how much the average distance had changed. Or yeah. Something like the average distance players had to drive. Right. California was number one at like 155 miles. Yeah. I have no idea how this guy calculated all wow. this. Well, I mean, it, the, the state is huge and it is like long well, yeah. we've got 38 million people here, so we deserve more than just eight slots. But I know Rhode Island has to get their pair in also. So I don't know about deserve, but it's just um, – no, it's it, a, it doesn't need to be – You and your diplomacy, you, you just don't want to piss off the people in Virginia now. That's all it is. No, no, no. I'm just saying. <laughs> they're Pandering to stuff. No, city. like the state championships, that's kind of cool, right? One per state, whatever. Yeah, so right. we accept that. There's no reason national qualifiers have to be per state. Well, that's what they were doing, though. This is this is state generals now. This is <laughs> well. If they had called it that, I could understand. TM. That's, right. That's the first time that word's ever been. Used. Or state I mean, generals, even why? Why did all of the national qualifiers in the U.S. fire on the same day? For example, in Europe. They have national qualifier seasons where it's almost mm-hmm. like a PTQ season where you can go to multiple. Why, well, that would be awesome. Why, why not roll it out like that? You know, well, uh, I think I think it's it's very cool to have something more like that. I mean, you can you can if you want to make that trip, you can make that trip. Right now, you know, there's that there would, is zero choice. That would actually you, help people on the East Coast where they could say, okay, I'll go to the Connecticut one yeah. this weekend, and then Rhode Island the next weekend, and then New York the weekend after. See, that. there's some East Coast love. Here, right. it, it really wouldn't matter. No. You drive seven hours <laughs> right. to L.A. and say, oh, well, we'll go, you know, six hours to Las Let's Vegas. Let's go to Oregon. Or, yeah. Although yeah. I, I do have to give, Utah, here I come. I do have to give Glenn Goddard some credit, though, because he really did try. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he really tried to get us from Northern California to go down there. He was dealt a kind um, of raw hand. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's not his fault that this is yeah. screwed up this way. And Glenn is the, the uh, T.O. of Sun Mesa Games. Which or Sun Mesa events, events. Okay. yes, Sun Mesa events. Um, it's actually yeah, Jody Goddard and Glenn Goddard, and and together they run an awesome outfit. Really, really, some of the best tos I've ever worked for. Um, but you know, you guys are in Southern California, and it's such a hard time to get down there. Now, the stuff they were offering, they were offering free like parking. Like the person who organizes a car trip down there would get free entry. Yeah. Um, and you get like five Reduced bucks entry to drafts. Yeah, five bucks off drafts and stuff like that. It was it was a pretty awesome idea, but it's just ugh, such a drive. Well, no, I'm, I'm I'm glad we we mentioned that that he was uh, trying to help us all out. I think that it's rare to find a TO that goes above and beyond. Oh, and, and Glenn definitely does that. I mean, having worked a few events for him, I I have the utmost respect for him as a TO. Um, he's you know, yeah, he he and Jody make an awesome team. Um, well, on that 
somewhat positive note. Hopefully next time it'll be better. We've got um, a few mailbag rules questions, a few questions and other things to cover from listeners and other people that have asked us questions and not just questions but uh, cool things to talk about. Uh, we don't have a new contest winner, but we want to reiterate the contest that we have also going. And now, Jose, that you're part of the team here, I'm sorry you're not able to win the contest. Oh, no. I, Did you I'm send gonna, something in? No, I, I, I do. Oh. I didn't, but I'm going to enter every single one by giving my uh, take on it. Okay, yeah, and give your stories for our listeners to beat. Yes. Okay, um, so we'll touch on that a little bit later. So let's actually start in with the mailbag. <laughs> You've got mail. Oh, you, you can't crack your voice quite no. like we do. Oh, I have a lot of practice with that. <laughs> so this letter here comes from Warren. Did we get an actual letter? Well, I printed it out on paper here because Wi-Fi is not working in our current recording location. But, uh, no, it was an email. But this comes from Warren. Warren writes, fellas. Yes, he calls us fellas. I read I'm an- offended by that. <laughs> that's, that's uh, you know, is a, that a, ra- a gender. Gender is it. gender protected? It is. Okay. Except that we're yeah. all guys. Fellas. I read an article by a DCI judge stating that enchantments from Sovereigns of Lost Alara, i.e. Eldrazi Conscription, can be played on shrouded creatures. The same is true with Xur, but the warding of Sovereigns confuses me a bit. It seems to differentiate from Xur the Enchanter in my head. The fra- they're different. They Please are different. Continue. The phrasing on Sovereign specifically is search your library for an aura card that could enchant that creature and put it into play attached to that creature. When I read this literally, it seems to me that my enchantment can't enchant a a shrouded creature that doesn't have super shroud like Earl the Miststalker or Troll Ascetic. So to me, I shouldn't be able to attach an enchantment from Sovereigns onto a creature like Sphinx of Dwar Isle, or as the article discussed, put an enchantment onto a creature that's had vines of basswood put on it. Do we ignore the actual text on the card or not take it literally? Thanks for the help, and good luck to Ricky with the new job. Oh, oh, and also, wait, he mentions, hopefully you guys keep the podcast going as I enjoy the banter and the rules. <laughs> See, this is where Ricky is irreplaceable. Banter? I cannot give you nearly as much crap as he does. I, this is true. You are full of less crap than Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would you like to hear about today? Well, let's hear about First Sovereigns of Lost Alara. Yes. And Eldrazi Conscription. And why can I do this to a creature with Shroud? It could be anything. It doesn't have to be Eldrazi Conscription. It could be Blowfly Infestation. I mean, okay. Well, I'm just saying. As for, know what as, that does. as for Blowfly Infestation, it could happen. Well, well Blowfly That's Infestation is an enchantment. What is it? The Bane, the Bane Wasp, right? Bane Wasp Affliction. Yes. No, okay, let's just use Eldrazi Conscription because that's what people are using anyway, okay? Eldrazi Conscription. So Sovereigns of Lost Valara wants to put Eldrazi Conscription on a creature with Shroud. Why can it do that? Why is it a la- Why is that a legal play? Stop looking at me. I thought that's what we got the new guy for. Okay, well, <laughs> let's see if he can answer this. Okay, well, um, well Shroud doesn't let something be targeted. Mm -hmm. So when you're playing an aura, part of how you play this aura is you target. Right, you're casting. As you're casting an aura, one of the things you need to do when you put the aura on the stack is choose a target for it to come into play attached to. Exactly. Or to enter the battlefield attached to. Exactly. Uh, If you give it shroud later, the aura doesn't fall off. Right. It can be enchanted by something that says enchant creature for instance so that is not really a stipulation you don't have to read it literally to to get that i mean it's pretty it's it's a little confusing because you can't play it that way but you're putting it into play attached right and we got to use the the new terminology here you're not casting it you're You're putting it onto the battlefield battlefield. and that's that's a, a good distinction to make in this case is that and people get confused because of protection yeah. Right. Exactly. That's that's the other half of it. Protection would knock it off because well, protection actually you just couldn't choose the enchantment. For instance, if you had a worm reaver coil in your deck and you were attacking with a blue creature, 
you couldn't go find the Wormweaver coil because of Sovereigns of Lost Alara and put it on the blue creature. Right. Well, that's says, not protection, but yes. It says enchant also. green creature on right. Wormweaver coil. So Wormweaver coil can't enchant a blue creature, so it can't be the choice that you make. Right, but it's like if you were to attack with core. I, I think when he's talking about protection, I think where people get confused is how protection uh, has a sort of shroud built into it. In other words, if you attack with your core Firewalker mm-hmm. and you have Sovereigns of Lost Alara in play, Mm-hmm. You can't go look for your uh, uh, lust for war. Not that you want to do that. <laughs> that would be a very strange deck. But you know, but you, you yeah. get the idea. Aura can't be attached on that creature. Can't enchant that creature. So I can't choose it. For instance, if the uh, another weird one would be something like Miss Meadow Skulk, which is the little tiny creature from uh, Future Sight that said it has protection from mana cost three or greater. Well, even with Sovereigns of Lost Alara getting Eldrazi Conscription. Miss Meadow Skull can't wear Eldrazi Conscription. It can't be put on there. So you can't choose Eldrazi Conscription for your Miss Meadow Skull with Sovereigns, even though you're not using it to target it, you're not using it. That way it still can't, you know, because in, because protection grants, you know, it can't be enchanted, equipped, targeted, targeted blocked, or right. dealt damage by the thing right. that it has protection from. Right. That's how that gets in there, is that... The you know that's that's why you know sovereigns of lost Alara doesn't use targeting anywhere. In it it just means that the enchantment has to have has to legally be allowed to attach to the creature, right? But it doesn't need to be able to target the creature. Okay. Anything else on that question? It's a useful interaction because it, in other cases, like if you were to use. Uh, Lost Oromancers slash Academy Rector to search for an aura. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the only legal creature is like Pro Blue and you're trying to get Treachery. Mm-hmm. It works the same way. You can't get the aura at all. Right. Some people think you get it, put it on, and then it falls off. No. The rules just state that you can't get it. And right. it doesn't. it does not leave the library. Right. Instead of coming out and falling off into the graveyard. So... I think Sovereigns of Lost Alara, the way it's worded and the way it works, will help people understand that interaction as well. Even though it's a very weird interaction. Mm-hmm. Not confusing. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's move on to a question more about how tournaments get run. Uh, hi guys, love the show. Um, oh, and let me be the first, maybe, actually you are the first really, Josh from Ohio, to urge Ricky to stay on the podcast. I'm still here. It works. Right. Good. Good job, Josh. Keep it up. So <laughs> every week. <laughs> He's gonna write in every week asking Ricky to stay. Yeah, hopefully. That'd be nice. Where is he from? Ohio. Ohio. Well, I'll be out there more. Yeah. Uh, probably. Possibly. Well, Josh has a question about deck checks. His friend was playing in the national qualifiers in Columbus, which is in Ohio. I heard that was a huge one, like 200 plus people. Well, it sounds like they could have used maybe two different tournaments out there in Ohio. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm nervous left. <laughs> and he got, his friend here got deck checked. The odd thing was that the judge waited until they had both presented for game two before initiating the deck check. Upon inquiry, my friend was told that this is now the standard. I may have missed something as I've only recently returned to the game, but this doesn't this open up the possibility of shenanigans in game one yes he uses the word shenanigans did he spell it right i think so it doesn't seem that hard that under this system you could scout your matchup pre-board a couple of cards for game one and judges would have no way to know you presented an illegal deck from that point no way whatsoever right completely wrong josh i mean please keep writing to us but I think we've clarified this a little bit here. Uh, Hopefully we can clarify it further. That check that your friend was subject to was what we call a mid-round deck check. That's where one of our ninja squads goes out after the the initial deck check in the round and decides to pick on a semi-random table, take their decks, and check them in the middle of the round to make sure that there aren't any Game 2 or Game 3 shenanigans going on. So it's exactly the opposite of what he thinks is going on. Right, because we still do, contrary to what your 
may have been understanding from this here. We still do a beginning of round deck check for uh, you know, random tables, um, but then we also do it for mid-rounds now. That's the new standard. So mid-round deck checks, be aware that that judge hovering over the match nearby may just watch you shuffle up and say, ah, look at that, game two. You are my next victim. So that'll also keep you in line as far as... If you're judging, don't hover. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you need to be more of a ninja than that. Swoop, but, don't hover. Yeah, swoop, exactly, exactly. Well, the most ninja I've found is to talk to the players. Well, just be like, hey guys, what's going on? What are you guys playing? And, yeah. <laughs> and then just grab them. Like, what? But you were talking to us. Like, aren't you supposed to have your back turned like 20 feet away? <laughs> yeah, normally it's, you know, if you're people, each judge has a different way of, of hovering and swooping here. Um, I think engaging them directly and making them think that, you know, oh, it's going to be the guys. There. It's going to be the guys next to us. Okay. All right. It's the guys next to us that are getting this. Okay. Good. Yeah. No, it's it's you. It's you. I st- also, I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I still haven't seen a, a judge, you know, book it, you know, and uh, and really swoop in to, uh, to just catch. lay flat out and jump on the <laughs> table and be like, no, wait, you can't do that. Yeah. No, we don't. Well, do that. Eric Levine. At superstars, because sometimes the tables there get really crowded. Yeah. And they have those end tables that are hard to get to. So I've seen him, you know, be at the other end of the table and just kind of like shout out and point and be like, Table 22! You two there, stop! I've done that too. When we have a packed room back here mm-hmm. for a PTQ or something. Yeah, I've, de- I've definitely told him to just you know, hold up and stop. Maybe okay. if you throw something onto their table. <laughs> Like a lasso. <laughs> well, I think we should do it like the NFL does, with a big penalty flag. <laughs> <laughs> tied, tied to some... Actually, object. what I really want to do is the, uh, the hold-up deck check. I have a cowboy hat and some plastic guns. <laughs> this is a stick-up. Give me your decks and sideboards. But then you need to use your hands to hold them and take them back, so you'd have to put the guns away. And then you wouldn't be nearly as threatening. I don't think no they'd way. be threatened by my plastic guns. <laughs> With the little orange cap on the front. Yeah. <laughs> Safety first, kids. Okay. They were water, water guns. guns. <laughs> Give me your decks or I'll soak them moxin. <laughs> no, okay. Ricky Hayashi, terror of the vintage scene. Well, we have... I'm going to move on to our next couple questions here. Well, I just wanted to add, in addition to the mid-round, I've been theorizing about the possibility of an end-of-round swoop. Like after they're done with their match. Because the whole point of different timings for swoops is that if players know when we're going to check their decks, then they can cheat at other times, right? Well, That's they, the theory. they can, but we've still caught people in the top eight deck checks sure, with sure, something sure. screwed up. I mean, that's something I'm we, just we, saying, we, like, see. after you start your match, you're like, okay, we didn't get swooped on. Now I can, like, sneak my good card out of my you know, pocket or something. Or yeah. pretend to drop a card and pick some other ones up. You know, that's something actually that I've I've run into a few people that aren't aware of that. Uh, that, aware you, of that, what? that you need to present your sideboard with your deck. Oh, no one's aware of this. Right. This is the <laughs> the Johanna Birtin present your sideboards 2010 campaign. Uh-huh. Well, we're happily to be happy of to be members she of that is campaign. President, I believe Claudia Gordson is vice president, and I have been assigned to wear the chicken suit. Well, I hear that that's an awesome and curvy team, then. <laughs> an awesome and curvy team leading that. Um, the chicken suit, maybe not so much, but um, yeah. Every campaign needs the silly chicken suit guy. Okay, well, if it's Johanna and Claudia, I'm definitely on board, just because that's an awesome team to be a part of. But yes, present your sideboards. Um, and this is important, because you want to be asking your opponent to present a sideboard. Now, he doesn't need to show you the cards in it. He just needs to show you that there are 15 cards there, or zero cards, depending. And, and this is so much easier. You know, people pile-shuffle their opponent's deck to make sure they have 60 or 40 in limited, right? Right. Well, for Constructed, it's a lot easier to count to 15 than 60. You right. say, can you show them your sideboard and count out face-down their 15-card sideboard? Right. Well, and the reason that we want people to do this is because, you know, unless you do this, those 15 cards that your opponent is grabbing, well, hopefully they're in the deck box with this (laughs) stuff, but he may have a blue-white control matchup sideboard 
in his you know shirt pocket and a Jund sideboard in his pants pocket. And when he pulls out those 15 cards, depending on what he saw from you in game one, you may be seeing a different sideboard. Yeah. So you definitely need to be asking for that sideboard, and you need to be offering it yourselves too. Because these guys are playing Bane Wasp Affliction with their Sovereigns of Lost Alara, and they just, their only recourse is to cheat. Well, they're making some pretty bad choices, I guess, now, aren't all, they? All, cheating's a bad choice. <laughs> it is. Cheating's wrong. Cheating is wrong. Absolutely. There we go. Let me see if I can fit another platitude into this here. <laughs> um, well, actually, we have, can we move on to the next question, do you think? Sure. Okay. This question comes from a fellow podcaster. Uh, these are the guys over at Yo MTG Taps, which is I. I mean, quite honestly, I guys. I never understood that title. It's, what do you mean you don't understand? It's like one of the coolest titles. So what does it mean? Yeah, it's I, it's a reference to Yo MTV Raps. Oh, I've never heard of that. And I uh, am old. I watched wow. mainstream. Yo MTV. Yeah. Yo, MTV I'm old, raps. but I never watched MTV. Yeah. Right. They were no longer music. Then on. how did you see the AHA Take On Me video? Well, Ricky's just a fan of AHA, so he just searches out AHA stuff. But Well, yeah. I have, I've collected many music videos on YouTube. Like That was one of the first things I did when I discovered YouTube, was just collect music videos. So we have a question here from our podcast, Brethren. At Yo MTG Taps, which is apparently some sort of veiled yeah, reference. I, I am women totally, podcast too. I am Sean. To, to, yes, but these are guys <laughs> that are doing this podcast, so they're they're brethren, and we'll we'll leave it at that. Round five, I ended up playing a polymorph deck, and um, I didn't really care for the guy that I was playing against. I he seemed like a nice guy at first, but then I felt like he was acting kind of strange. And he had like, I don't know, four or five friends around him. And they were started like all kind of crowding around two of them sitting on either side of me. And I felt like, you know, that I should have probably said something like uh, I called a judge and just said, hey, can I not have the, these people just kind of hovering around me as far as them being his friends? Like I felt like they could be looking at my hand and, and just sitting sitting back so they were out of my peripheral vision. Right. And then. If he was, you know, look, I saw him looking up at his friend that was to my right. You know, his friend could have just been like saying like, or negate, you know, telling him I had a negate in my hand. Things like that. Like, I just felt like uh, it was fishy. But I continued to play anyway, which might have been stupid. But So what do you think about that situation where when you have, you know, your opponent's fellow players, friends, buddies sitting around you and you want sort of some space? Oh, God, I hate that. I hate it with a passion. I think you got to grab someone's hand. What do you mean, grab someone's hand? Well, if they crowd you and sit next to you, just kind of like reach over and grab his hand. And we will probably... And then, you know, they may make some sort of slur. Uh-huh. Okay. 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 Totally, okay. totally okay. got a Let's, game. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, continue, though. How did, how did you... You know, what else would you do here? I mean, I, is I, it cool for him to call a judge over, like you said, and say, hey, these guys are kind of crowding me. I don't know if they're telling him what's in my hand or whatnot. I just kind of want some space. Is that okay to do? I, I, I totally agree with that. That's, okay, well, I do too. Those are two different issues, though. If you think they're cheating, you don't want to be like, hey, judge, I think this guy is cheating. Well, yeah, I don't think he would have said that. That's why uh, Sean was saying, oh, I need some space. You know, these guys right. are crowding me. They're distract. They they could be distracting you, and that's not a way of saying that they're, they're cheating. But it's definitely a way of saying like well, he said that he said that at one point his opponent like looked at his friend, and he was worried that he was telling him what was in his hand. So if you're actually worried about, we have a term for that penalty. If he's looking at your hand, and transmitting that information. That would be an information violation. Well, what's the difference between his information violation and outside assistance in that case, then? Well, his information violation is a disqualification. Outside assistance is a match loss. Okay, well, sure, that's in terms of the penalty, but what's the difference between the two infractions? What do you mean? Well, outside assistance and hidden information violation are two different infractions. You can commit one or you can commit the other. 
how do I, as a judge, determine which one somebody is committing? The player's hand is hidden information if he is seeking to reveal that information through some method. Okay. But so, so that's so. As opposed to a generic, like, outside assistance would just be like, you forgot to attack. Well, so, so you're saying that you can't do both because it is an outside player committing the, the hidden information violation. So, in that sense, you would. Well, that's two infractions with the same no, root cause. Yeah. You go with the more you're severe one. Yeah. More, if someone's speeding and they hit somebody, you're not going to be like, and, oh, and <laughs> by the way, here's your speeding ticket. <laughs> right. Well, and, and we, you know, yeah, here in Magic, when you oh, are charging, they? when you. Know. Well, uh, in Magic, we know what we do, though. We only give them the more severe penalty. Well, yeah, he's getting disqualified. <laughs> right. so, I'm disqualifying you, and you're getting a match loss. Like, so if you think that's actually happening, then you need to be equally sneaky. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Renegade. You can't just you can't just be like judge, like move these people away. Like, if you think they are actually cheating, you know, stealing signs, if you will, mm -hmm. I would call a judge. And take my cards with me, like my hand, and pretend to be asking a question about the cards away from the table with the judge. And then, and then whisper, that. hey, this guy you know, sitting next to me is his friend, and I think he might be signaling him what's in my hand. Could you watch? Right. And at that point, you start watching as a judge, and the guys all get up and leave, or they stop doing whatever they were doing. But yes. yes. Well, or they can be flagrant again, about it and keep doing it. <laughs> If, I mean, because if they're sitting like right next to you, that's, you know, you're keeping track of enough stuff as it is. Like you spend all this time, like if, if you're paranoid like me, you're looking at your opponent's hand all the time, like making sure that nothing, they, they don't do anything funny. Like when they reach for their pen, they're not, you know, putting their hand under underneath the table, things like that. You're always keeping an eye on your opponent. What's if you gotta going keep, on underneath the table? Uh, they could have, you know, cards on, the, on their lap. Okay. Cross bloom again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so you know, it's it's enough to keep track of one guy. If you got to get, you know, you only have so much attention. You got to concentrate on your game too. So, okay. I, I like I like Ricky's uh, solution there. Just walk away. But I tell tell a judge get that you you don't have to put up with that sort of behavior. Absolutely. You can just be you can just be sneaky. Go up to a judge and just say, hey. These guys yeah, are and even if they're not your opponent's friends. Like we've seen yeah, this in, spectators, in the anybody. top eight yeah. when everyone's crowded around and someone draws a card and the people behind them kind of go, oh. Yeah. And, and this yeah. has happened at the top eight where the opponent then like reading that reaction says like, Oh, you just drew X. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> as bad a tell as that uh student did you guys see the Muppet video by the way? I think we talked about Yes. This. Okay. Uberg, yeah, yeah. He, he, he does the he does the thing in there too. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll, we'll post a link um, on our Facebook group oh, here oh. Uh, to Wooberg's videos. Um, Wooberg is a lovable little Muppet um, who is a really terrible Do magic player. Do you think player. they'll start selling that doll? Oh, maybe. I would buy one. I might buy one. <laughs> also. I got. I, I gotta tell you, I hated that video. I oh, did too. Terrible. I know it was the worst thing I've seen in a long time, but I'm still going to want to buy a Uber. <laughs> so you can punch it at night? What, what, just before you go to sleep, pressures of the day, you just turn over, see a wall-eyed Muppet, and just go, uh. Well, yeah. I hate you. Um, yeah. Callie Anderson, who is Todd Anderson's yeah. wife and is now a level one judge in Congrats. Alabama, mm -hmm. she has a giraffe stuffed animal, and she calls it Shaky. And the story is because, like, she needed after a frustrating match, she needed something to just like shake and get the frustration out. <laughs> so now this giraffe, which I'm guessing start like it started life with a stiff neck, <laughs> is now very wobbly from all the shaking. So they could make a Wooberg doll that is designed to be, you know, the shaky substitute. You, you guys have convinced me. I think I would drop some. <laughs> On a Wooberg doll, just so I can just feel better by, by hitting. Yeah, every time I'm frustrated with like everything that you know, bad stereotypes, unsporting conduct, everything. 
People spying on your hand. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. So we've talked about that scenario from our friends over at YoMTG Taps. Let's talk about the next one here in a second. I played round two against Polymorph, and he plays an Awakening Zone, and I cancel it. And then he plays an Awakening Zone, and I cancel it. And then he sacrifices a token and taps two and plays a third Awakening Zone. I'm like, okay, well, that one's good. Mm-hmm. It goes to my turn. I'm taking my turn. I'm like, wait a minute. You sacrificed a plant token. Hmm. Call a judge. And we both get warnings. Right. So. And the Awakening Zone stays. Right. See, I don't understand why you can't back... If it was that that close, you know, it was just his turn passed, like, that seems like enough to back up. It wasn't like, hey, four turns ago he play, played Awakening Zone. You know what I mean? Like, that, I understand. You can't back up four turns, but I feel like you should be able to back up a half a turn, right? I mean... He he drew his card, or what was it? it was your? T- he passed the turn to you, right? Right. So I mean, I, I guess I can see like they can't trust what you drew, so you can't like necessarily put your card back and and have him go back and put the plant token back into play and awakening zone back in his hand and have let him do something else. I I, I don't know. Seems seems like there should be a better way to correct that other than like. A warning, I don't know. But that, that's what the warnings are for. If people consistently do things like that, then they get game losses. Right. So I guess they can't consistently do that kind of thing. Um, but if, if he, you hadn't noticed, he wouldn't have gotten a warning. And it's almost like it's almost like you can feel free to do these things until somebody notices, and then you have a warning, and then just stop doing it. You know, I just I hate that. that yeah. Like people could just cheat that way. So that was the second question from UMTG Taps that they asked us to look at for them. Uh, was that you know awakening zone off of a game rule violation? You know, sacrificing a plant token instead of a mana baby. A mana baby. Eldrazi spawn token. <laughs> Eldrazi spawn token is you, the property you, na- proper name. Did you just make a reference to sacrificing children? For magic powers, people call them mana babies all the time. Okay, Ooh, what people? I, I, people. You know, interesting people, 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 people. Yeah, people do that. So people who are okay sacrificing children. <laughs> so, what do we do in this case here? I mean, it sounds like this judge decided not to back up, and that one of those players didn't like that solution. What goes on here? Well, I, I think this is a great one to mention, especially dovetailing on the last judge cast where Ricky was talking about holding judges accountable. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, did it's, that? You did. <laughs> what did I say? You did. It was, it was a great conversation you guys Uh-oh. had. I mean, I, I agreed that players, I think, should know about the, you know, the tournament rules and the infraction procedure guideline. Because if, if the Joes knew about this, they would know that a GRV, you can back up. And I think that's totally, I mean, besides the, the awful luck of the guy sandbagging three awakening zones, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think that, that backing up in that case is perfectly warranted. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. And again, it's, it's up to the judge that responds yeah. whether or not he goes to the head judge and says, hey, can we back the situation up? Because right. all the backups ultimately have to go through the head judge. Yes. Head judge has to okay those. And this is a problem I have with uh, with a lot of judges is they see that in, in the policy where it says only the head judge can do certain things. And they go, oh, well, I don't have to worry about that because I'm just another one. I'm not going to head judge anything. Right, but the head judge doesn't know whether or not to do something until you <laughs> exactly. bring something to him. Yes, exactly. and and the, 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 ju- the floor judge responding has, feels no, there's no pressure. There's no need to even worry about it. Unless a player looks him in the eye and says, can we back up? Right. And that, there's also... There's no reason this game state should be. Right. And the plants well, don't give you mana. <laughs> well, and also the judge, you know, doesn't want to necessarily second guess themselves. Because yep. we're told and taught to present things with confidence. Yeah. And so if you say, you know, well, let me go see if I can back this up. That's showing a bit of weakness, showing some vulnerability that you may not want to show to a player. Right. Now, the way to get around that is to 
in your upfront you know, presentation of this is my solution to this problem that you presented with me, if the floor judge is deciding, no, we're not going to back this up, you say, because of X, we're going to leave the game state as it is. If you want to appeal this and try to back up the game state, I understand. But this is my ruling. And delivering it with that end of this is my ruling, you know, you've given them the understanding of, okay, you know what you're doing. And also, not only do you know what you're doing, but you're okay with them questioning that. Right. And you may not get them questioning it quite as often, but if they really feel like they should, then they will. And you'll get that backup and you'll get that request. Um, but the, Ricky does make a good point about you know, taking the initiative yourself and saying, you know, this is a good situation to back up. I'm going to go to the head judge right away and, and make sure, you know, see if we can back this up. Right. And that's but, another but option. They, the players got to remember the seminal rule mm-hmm. don't be a dick. That's true. You want you you want <laughs> you knowing that a judge is supposed to you know a judge is like an umpire right he makes the call mm-hmm. and uh, you know it, unlike an umpire you have some, <laughs> yeah. some room to uh, to uh, argue the point but do so in, in in a productive manner keep in mind your goal your goal is not to make the judge feel bad for not backing up the thing he he's within his power to not have to make this call to the head judge. He can just leave it, let it lie. Unless you ask for an appeal. And unless, really exactly. That, unless, but. Right. But, but he can, he can leave it there. If mm-hmm. you want to escalate that, just do so nicely. Just say, well, uh, you know, this game state shouldn't be, we, we haven't gone through a turn cycle. Can we just, you know, uh, talk with the head judge and see if we can back this up. Right. That's a, that's a perfectly polite way to ask the judge and put it back in his court so that he can, you know. We're going to get another email about turnstiles. Yeah, I want to, before oh. we go any further, <laughs> I want to clarify something that you just said there, Jose, and that is that we haven't gotten a turn cycle yet. Well, that's not really the hard and fast rule for backing up. Uh, basically, the hard and fast rule for backing up is can we do it without making more of a mess? So, read ma- Ben McDowell's article. Right. And Did you read it? No. Well, well, Sean <laughs> should read Ben McDowell's article available somewhere within the Watsi website. But hours. I know what to do. I can tell you that. The issue here it's is an the- excellent article on this issue of when yeah. should we back up GRVs. Right. But rather than just say go read stuff, let's talk about it some more too. Let's summarize. Right. Um, yeah. If it's going to make a god-awful mess by backing up, then generally you don't. Um but, you know, a turn cycle, if, if you have, you know, two Platinum Angels in play and empty libraries both, you can go 40 turns and back up 40 turns if you need to, to go do something. You know, that's not going to be too big an issue. Uh, you're not having a lot of cards change zones. You're not having a lot of information changing hands. You're not doing those things. Right. But if this were, say, real magic, leg- if, this were, <laughs> if this were legacy and after the Awakening Zone was cast illegally, you use Sensei's Divining Top, sacrifice a fetch land, and then use Sensei's Divining Top, and then draw your card for the turn. Even though it's the, still the same time frame, you know, mm-hmm. at, right after the draw, that's too much stuff to back up. Right. Not backing that up at all. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I think we've talked enough there that maybe we can give the uh, UMTG Taps guys a little bit more understanding of, of when and how we do that. Um, now, they were so kind to refer us to their episode in order to uh, you know, find out what their questions were. They didn't actually submit them. They said, oh, look at the, come listen to our episode and hear these questions at these time points. So I'm going to do the same thing and send them the episode that we have and say, well, go look at these, you know, go, go see our episode and find these questions and you'll find your answers. They're morally obligated because I actually knew what they, their, their name was. That's right. Howdy. Do you think they can figure out what the name of our podcast means? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's it's a, a mystery for the ages, Ricky, <laughs> in terms of what we mean when we say judge cast, well, and it's a podcast about judging. Yeah, um, hopefully, hopefully it's not judgmental cast. And yet it's brilliant in its simplicity. Right. Exactly. Well, the, you came up with the title. It's all yours, Ricky. At least the title is. The show may not be yours. It, the show shouldn't have any one owner, I think. The, the fans are also his, too, apparently. Uh, people John will, from Ohio to... Uh, to Josh, Josh from Ohio, Josh yes. From Ohio. Always, always with the uh, 
Don't go, Ricky. Don't go. Well, we have another viewer here. And he calls himself a viewer. What? Um, yeah. He said, never, is there a camera? No, he says, he says long-time viewer, first-time caller. Um, and his name is Brian. He doesn't say where he's from. But he's got a question just for you. Brian Ricky. from Massachusetts. Oh, Brian from Massachusetts? Or are you just making this up? No, if they don't say, I'm just going to make up a random state. <laughs> okay. <or city> or <laughs> okay, Brian. Boston, in fact. Brian from Boston. So please read it with a Bostonian accent. <laughs> just you know, put I, wicked uh, in front of, uh, you know, wicked. the the end of every wicked sentence. Awesome. You know, I have wicked family awesome. in Boston, so I could almost do that, but I'd have to, like, uh, that's that's a different story, though. Um I'll tell it and see if I actually don't cut this part out. Um, <laughs> I was at a girlfriend's um, Hanukkah party and in Boston. Uh, in, no, no, in in Tahoe. But her parents had me lighting the candles, and because my stepfather is Jewish and from Boston, he taught me all the the prayers for Hanukkah in Hebrew. But he speaks Hebrew with a Boston accent. <laughs> no way. He speaks with a Boston accent in Hebrew. So that's when he sick. taught me, I got the Boston accent, but only for my Hebrew. <laughs> oh, that's sick. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there lighting their Hanukkah candles with a Hebrew in Hebrew with a Boston accent. And my girlfriend turns and looks to me as I finish the last one and says, Why did you do that with a Boston accent? <laughs> that is great. Yeah. So I can do Hebrew with a Boston accent, but I probably Not can't English. do English. Probably can't do English that way. Um so anyway, dude. I'm, I'm letting him off the hook. <laughs> I mean, but later he's going to later he's going to read the email in Hebrew. <laughs> Dear Judge Cast. <laughs> yes. Dear Judge, Dear Judge Cast. I'm a long-time viewer, first-time caller. What happens when you have cast through time, hive mind, and eye of the storm in play and cast warp world? How many times do you? How many times do you warp world? Thanks, Brian. <laughs> this this. <laughs> that was that was great. That was great. So did you guys even hear the words of the question? No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. But no, actually I did. And that question is almost like it's ludicrous. Well, this is this is just because Ricky had so much going with Eye of the Storm. Oh yeah, Eye of the Storm. I had to throw my arms. No, come on. So again, what happens if you have cast? Wait, what happens if you have? Cast through time, which is an enchantment the from the right rebound, the rebound okay. one, right? Hive mind. So everybody, everybody else plays one. Okay. Gets a copy. copy gets yeah. a copy. And Eye of the Storm. So you have all three of those in play in the, on the battlefield. And you cast Warp World. How many times do you warp world? I am so glad this reader directed it. Or reader. Listen to me. Mm-hmm. He's a viewer, he's a reader, he just doesn't listen to us. Um, I'm glad this listener directed this at Ricky. So I we'll just refer it to him. Let him take yeah, care of it. Yeah, totally. Let me okay. see that. Uh, that one, you know, I got to tell you, that would be a, a great two, contest. It'd be, wicked, it'd be a wicked awesome, wicked you, awesome warp does world. Hive, does hive mind trigger only off of casting? Yes. Hand? No, not from your hand. hand. Just when you, any casting. One, two. This oh. is proof that Ricky can count everybody. Yeah. So as I was saying, I think this is a this is a great contest. See, you know how the first uh-huh. contest that you had was people bring in contest questions. This yes. would be this would be mine. Oh, okay. What is the actual? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to hear like these ridiculous scenarios. But if it actually happened to you, I love stories like that. Like these ridiculous game states where, mm-hmm. you know, you have to end up, you know, pulling out your your notepad and, you know, calculator, abacus, what have you. Right, trying right. Trying to figure out exactly, you know, how big your chameleon colossus is. And right, with recursive notation. Yeah. You think it's six. Six warp worlds? But I couldn't tell you for sure without the oracle text. Okay. Well, 
Unfortunately, we don't have the Oracle text handy, but um, I was totally expecting Sean to have the answer, weren't you? I'm is. expecting like yeah, sound effects and like survey says. Okay, well, no, actually, I, I don't think Brian actually expected a real answer. He just wanted to hear you throw up your hands, but um, oh, all that effort went for nothing. So. But we do want to reiterate our contest so that we can send you draft sets because we have a few draft sets that we're going to be sending out. Of Shard's Block. Of Shard's, <laughs> <laughs> Shard's Two-year-old Block. Two-year-old Block. <laughs> well, yeah, we're sending Maybe you'll open a Sovereigns of Lost Alara. Oh, there you go. You could even, yeah, use that. So we have draft sets and we want to send them to maybe you. The way that you get us to send them to you is that you respond to us with a story or question. Most likely a story in this case. Uh, to reiterate, the contest from last week, which we're continuing this week, is that uh, listeners should tell us a story of a time they had a judge respond to a call or respond to a question that they gave them or respond somehow in a way that made them think, wow, I've never heard of that before. I've never thought of doing that before. Or I've never you know, understood that that's how the cards interact and how that rea- interaction with a judge has changed or helped you in magic. Um, so we're not looking for, yeah, this jerk of a judge gave me a warning for you know, not shuffling and whatever. No, we're not. That was my example. <laughs> right. This jerk of a judge like laughed at a bag thief. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam is not a jerk. He is, he is – No, it was Jason Metz. Oh, well, yeah, okay, yeah, Jason laughed at him, but yeah, you're right. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly yeah. laughed at the alleged thief. Um, so if you have any interesting alleged stories, um, send them our way. Judgecast at gmail.com. Uh, that's the way to get a hold of us. Also, you can become our fan on Facebook. I think we're at, as of earlier today, I saw we were at 199 fans, I think. You Very close. 200. You could be 200, yes. You, although by the Tell time them what you they this, wish. <laughs> Stop giving more stuff away. Our gratitude. <laughs> it's not mine, it's Ricky's. He's leaving. <laughs> our gratitude. You get our gratitude. From you get ca- to say you're the 200th. That's true. I mean, I'm keeping all the draft sets anyway, so. <laughs> you're, never, you're never mailing them out. Why do you not mail them out? No, we actually do. In fact, not only do we mail them out, but there's a special additional prize in each of them. Um, that we will be um, sending out with them so that we can uh, make sure that uh, you know you remember how you got that draft set. Um, is it a candy apple? It is not a candy apple. It is not perishable. Um, candy apple is not really perishable, is it? I guess it's an apple. But it's it's, it's like an apple. So Hermetically sealed. <laughs> so it would survive the nuclear winter. That so, is so. What kind? What kind of stories are you looking for in this contest? Well, yeah, give us an example of this new because you you like changed this on me. No, that's how that's how Pete Yon mentioned it last time. Okay. How how has a judge interaction changed the way you play Magic or made you think? Wow, I never thought of that before. That's that's yeah. straight from Pete's Pete's email. Well, I got a story that uh, could be used as an example. Okay, give us a good example. Oh, well, uh, uh, a friend of mine, um, Nathan Hurst, he ran tournaments down in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, he worked for a school down there. So he ran sort of like the school games league. And, you know, this was uh, uh, a spectacular thing for young players to get them into it. He got young players DCI numbers. He held tournaments for them, and it was super fun. It was geared towards, you know, mm-hmm. children who played there. And, you know, I was, uh, I was young when I went to that. And I talk about something that changes your perspective. Um, you know, the kids are young, they're impressionable, and they're talking about, like, the value of cards. Mm-hmm. So Nathan Hurst, uh, the guy running the tournament, goes over and he grabs a beta clone. Mm-hmm. And he walks over and says, you know, these are made of cardboard, right? And the kids are like, oh, wow, a beta clone, that's really ripped right in front of them. <laughs> Throws it down and says, that's what they're worth. <laughs> wow. That, that changed their little perspectives, I think. And I think if anybody's listening that, that, that went to those Nathan Hurst tournaments, they will remember. Uh, they will remember moments like that. 
Well, it's only worth about 20 bucks. I've got one. If you, if you ask Nathan Hurst, it's uh, worthless. It's just uh, cardboard. But the fun that you have at the tournaments is what, you know, the kids still take away with them. That, that clone may have been worth 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. But if you would have given those kids a $20 bill, they would never remember that they got a $20 bill at that tournament. But That's they will remember that that clone meeting a fiery doom Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, right in front of them as they as they were drooling. So that's that's my story. Top it. Okay. So the gauntlet has been laid down. Please submit your stories to judgecast at gmail dot com. We will hopefully hear from you and get some interesting feedback. Did you I think, want me I to think banter on about something? What's that? We did talk about the IDs at dinner. Oh yeah. There's this rumor going around or I don't even know if it's an actual rumor or people are just talking, but... Or an alleged rumor. <laughs> Speculation. It's a speculative rumor of alleged validity. Yeah, Something will change with intentional draws. Something will change with intentional draws. What do you mean? What could possibly change with intentional draws, Ricky? Well, my I've, I have not read a single drop of ink on this. I, I heard about it on MTG on Monday Night Magic. Right, and you know where they get that information from is probably the rumor mill at MTG Salvation, right? Or or the Star Kingdom Post, right? So basically, rumor begets rumor into ink. Eventually, I don't know if it's got legs or not. I think the uh, the ID policy as it is, you know, it's pretty solid, pretty pretty strong footing. Not that I completely agree with it. In fact, I don't. But I don't know that we're going to see it change anytime soon. But so important. how would they change it? Well, my theory is that you would just make draws zero points. Make draws zero points. Yeah. Huh? Currently, a win is three points, a draw is one point, and a loss is zero. So uh-huh. if people draw, they essentially both lose. Would that not eliminate drawing, period? <laughs> like, sure. now you both lose. I think the problem you run into there is that people are going to want to you know, not lose. end up with a winner at some point. And so you're going to get people who are more likely to, you know, get into bribery toward the end of a, you know, when a match is going to time and it's clear that nobody's going to win. Well, um, they can take that risk. Okay. But this would solve a lot of the complaints people have about the last round of Swiss, like a PTQ, mm-hmm. where the top two to four, maybe not four, Two or three tables draw into the top eight. It would preserve the drama, that's for sure. Okay, well, that's an interesting concept. I mean, they already don't have draws on Magic Online. Right. I think that's part of what's fueling this discussion. Sort of hmm. bring them in line together. Um, so, well, it's possible that they might they might try something where they re-implement intentional draws on Magic Online, but just say that they're zero points. Mm-hmm. Because there are some situations, like at the end of a tournament, where you, like, you could still draw into top eight, and it would just save you that hour of playing Magic, right? That is essentially you don't have to play because right. win or lose, you're in the top eight. Yeah, and you know, it's give you some uh, a mental break after eight, eight hours. Yeah. So, I mean, I've talked about this before, and when you do draw, it's not just about you know, gaming the system and manipulating the points, but it's also a good chance to take a break after a long day of magic, and it's going to be an even longer day. Yeah, I just, I just wish that were that were the only reason that people. Yeah, I think um, you know, uh, it, intentional draws to me are something that, you know, when I've seen them happen as a player in a tournament where somebody can draw into top eight, and they do. And, you know, if I'm sitting in that 10th spot after all those IDs, I feel like, well, maybe I was kind of robbed. But at the same time, you kind of have to recognize that, well, if you had won that match earlier, like all those people that ID'd did, then you wouldn't be in that position. That they kind of earned the ability to ID by winning their earlier matches. I always say that. People complain that this doesn't happen in sports when it happens in sports <laughs> it, all the time. That, that's that's true. How the many? last game of the regular season in the NBA basketball, the Cleveland Cavaliers rested LeBron James and Shaquille O'Neal. I, I don't think they played at all. 
And that was because they had such an overwhelming lead in the standings that they did not need to win that game. Right. So as Sean says, they had earned the right to rest their stars. Yeah. So that's one way to look at IDs also. Um, you know, from a judging perspective, you know, all you're looking for in IDs really is making sure that people aren't colluding, that they aren't, um, you know, offering, offering, yeah, offering something in exchange for a draw or in exchange for a concession. Um, so if you're listening and you're a player, don't offer something in exchange for a concession or in exchange don't, for a draw. Uh, don't pull out those dice. Don't, yeah. don't do that either. No. Pulling out dice, um, even pulling out your wallet, laying that on the table, uh, probably a bad well, idea. What we're talking about is not rolling a die to determine player draw, but at the end of a match, if it looks like it's going to be a draw, you know, you're, the game is stalled mm-hmm. and the round is coming to time, end of time, and someone says, hey, let's just roll a die to see who wins. That is not allowed. That is improperly determining a winner. It's a DQ at uh, all levels. Without downgradable that. to a match loss at regular. Right. So at FNM, if you do it, I might be able to let you slide and say, well, you're only losing the match. You're not but booting from the every, tournament. Every Grand Prix, every Star City 5K, we get one or two of these people that don't know about this. Right. So learn this and tell other people about it if you see them trying to do that. Um, definitely. I, actually, I heard that this comes from another card game, I think, like L5R or something like that. Mm-hmm. That they are actually encouraged. Like, it's in the rules to roll a die at the end. It's going to be Yeah, some games have done that. Some games have also sanctioned the bribery aspect as well. Where it was, was part of yeah, that because was because of the storyline, right. right? Right, where it was you know if you could buy out your opponent, that that was a legal sort of game action. Not the case in Magic. So now you know I never really enjoyed that game, but now I hate that game even yeah. more <laughs> for teaching players to do that. Absolutely, absolutely, I hate that game. Raw, no, not really, but yeah, Ricky hates that game. I. I'm one of those rare people that actually doesn't play any other collectible card game. Mm. I know a lot of people also play WoW or, or Judge too. There's a lot of Judge crossover in Magic and WoW. Yeah, because uh, I think they stole a lot of our top people when well, they started up their organized play. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess I'm the other one then. I oh sweet don't play anything Magic <laughs> only high yep. five high five yeah. Uh, I'm also a Magic only person, um, although I do play. I dabble in Scrabble, and I well, yeah, I mean, get other down. Games with, is fine. Yeah, I, I get mean, down with my Boggle, so you know that's different though than necessarily you know getting all into. Yeah, wow you don't or, get a high five. <laughs> I I wasn't expecting one. I'm just not that cool. He's gonna high five himself. Yeah. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna console myself now. The sound um, of one high right. five. <sighs> well. At least two of the judges in the in the room here are smiling. With that, you have spent another hour listening to us ramble and banter, hopefully in form. Too much banter. Too much nerd banter. Too much nerd banter. Well, you know, he was really nice after I kind of gave him a, a what for on the... Yeah. Did on you the, see my response? Uh, I gave him the sarcastic... Yeah, like you would have no purpose in the show, I think, is what you told him. <laughs> he said if we cut out all the banter, it would all be Sean droning on boringly. Yeah, and that's, that's to some extent, true. That's true. <laughs> right, but uh, yeah. So if you have topics for us to banter about, if you have questions for us to answer, if you have scenarios, rules scenarios, interaction scenarios, not just rules, but tournament stuff too. I have a question for the listeners. Oh, banter question. Okay, banter question. You, you win nothing. But I was wondering, if you've seen Iron Man 2, did you think it was better than Iron Man original, or 1, or whatever, or Iron Man? Or did you think they were the exact same movie? No, well, they were... some people have said that it was a lot worse, and I just didn't get that. Like you said, it was very similar. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm just going to cut this part out anyway, so <laughs> no worries at all. Let's just go right to the cutoff here, yeah. right to the sign-off. 
I'm not really going to cut this part out. I, I say that all the time, and I don't actually do it. Well, I don't, it's, I don't it's, listen, it's, so I don't know. It's a personal favorite thing of, of mine, personally, of, of, to, to of JudgeCast, to hear you say, you're going to cut this out. And, you know, if you're going to cut something out, just cut out all the times that I'm wrong. You know, that's uh-huh. going to happen a lot, I'm sure. Well, we'll figure those parts out, and we may or may not cut those parts out when it comes to it. But, it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> But actually, I do want to thank you, Jose, for coming in yes, and thank you. Uh, coming you. on board with us. Uh, for those of you who don't why, know. Why are you pushing me away from the mic, Jose? <laughs> I, 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 really, I really thank you guys for the opportunity to uh, – and, and Ricky, I will help get, you pack. Get that knife out of my back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really, uh, thank you for coming in and uh, – I think uh, this interview went well. I think I'll let you know. <laughs> Thanks a lot. No, there's no, there's no way to replace Ricky. I, I, I love having, you know, I love listening to the dynamic that you guys have. I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna bring uh, whatever I can. You know, I love, I love casual. You know, I'm L1, so I'm a fledgling. So you, you'll get the experience of a guy who, you know, just, just stepped into these shoes. But so you've to clarify because yeah. I'm tired of all. This. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, this again. No, I can't can't walk a mile in 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 Ricky's shoes. You have to run it. <laughs> but also, I you know, Jose, you haven't. It's not that you were new to Magic in any way, though. You've been playing the game forever, and you've also been around tournaments. And you know, you've seen tournaments and organizers and events run very poorly, and you've seen them run really well, and you kind of know the difference. Yeah. Um, that's something that I think any judge can appreciate new or not, uh, that, that, you know, new, new or veteran, you're going to know when a tournament's run well and how to, you know, manage player interactions well. Um, so I think that's, that's that experience. And also coming from across the country, um, you know, on the side of the country that Ricky is headed to, <laughs> um, I think that gives us a different perspective also. We'll, we'll, I think we'll so. sit in and swap stories. I think right. the casual perspective is very important. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just very happy that you became an L1 judge because magic like R&D and organized play, they're always worried about how do we capture more of the market, right? Like mm-hmm. How do we get more of the people who play at the quote-unquote kitchen table to come to tournaments? And they're always theorizing about that. And I think the DCI judges, we need to think about that as well. Like how do we not scare people away? Like. You, yeah. you hear that a right. lot, like, oh, like, judges are scary from more casual players. Right, and players at all ranks and all, you know, kitchen table players should have the same confidence that they're playing the game right and that they're being treated fairly as they do it that somebody in the top eight of a PTQ should. They, they should feel as confident that they're getting the right rules, that they're understanding it, and that they're getting better. Because that's the, the only way they get better is by knowing the rules and really pushing those boundaries and getting you know rulings like that yeah and Um, and on top of everything else the dci set up a system whereby you know what you can go in and expect we talk a lot about how you know ariel regular you know your fnms Mm -hmm. uh you can go there and what you can expect out of your judges is not you mess up and you get thrown out right right you you expect there to be a community growth there as judges that's that's our job well and that's and, that's the whole reason that fnm yeah. is the flagship of the wpn yeah you know? so guys at the kitchen tables go to your fnms and, and meet some people and have fun yeah and there will be a judge there hopefully uh, uh, a certified one if not they should be on their way take the rules advisor test and, and start to start training yeah you know sadly jose i that's not the case for a lot of the fnms i know we're I know. trying to do that around the country here and around the region yeah here in Northern California, we're trying to get, um, you know, one judge in each store. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really, you know, we've got a long ways to go on that. But we also, in the since we started that whole campaign and that, that feeling of, you know, that was a goal, uh, we really have developed the community a lot in that we have new stores starting up with F&M. We have people that are interested in becoming a judge um, in most of those stores. And when that happens, you know, they really get that feeling of, you know, I'm going to play by the rules. I'm going to make sure everybody else plays by the rules. And the experience gets better for everybody else, even yeah. if you don't have a certified judge. Right, right. right. Yeah, if you if you have that aspiration to be a judge, really the first step is to, uh, you know, build that community. If, mm-hmm. you're, if you're going to be the one running tournaments, you're not certified, people will look to you to make this a fun experience. They'll come back. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll get that support. Yeah, good. It's a positive feedback. Right. I think that's that's a really good place to start. If you're interested in becoming a judge, you start, you know, we, we tell you to take the rules advisor exam. We tell you to go find your local level two judge like me. Um, that's one way to do it. And, it. and that's one way to get started. The other way is to really go from the ground up, the grassroots. I mean, that's how I got started. Yeah, me, me too, me too. Was, you know, I went into my F&M. The guy who was going to be running things didn't show up. Well, <laughs> what to do? Somebody steps in and takes that role on and eventually becomes a judge. You know, that's, that's, you know, you take on the role, take on the responsibility of assisting your local community. When you do that, um, you know, the, the rules and everything else, I, I mean, it's kind of awkward to say this, but the rules knowledge, you can develop that. You can find the answers online. You can find, you know, mentoring and, and other things for that. But having the right attitude, having the right drive, of helping your fellow magic players have a good time. I, I don't think there's any single better qualification that I can think of for a judge. Yep. You need heart like Rocky Balboa. Let's wrap things up for this episode. Our 13th by simply saying that, uh, signing off from yeah. great escape games here. Can we skip 13 and just go to 14. Like they do at hotels. This is episode 12.5 to 13.5. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We'll just average it out. Right. So episode 12 and a half to 13 and a half. Thank you again for listening and sticking with us. You can find us on Facebook and at judgecast at gmail.com. Hopefully Ooh, here. I want to shout out to Mana Nation, one of our hosts or sponsors or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. They've really been ramp- ramping up the articles lately. They have. They've gotten. Trick has yes, been working his butt Sam off. Stoddard is writing. Dale Lovelace and Ben McDowell, two Florida judges, who mm-hmm. I know pretty well now, mm-hmm. are writing. Actually, Dale is moving to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And they write about a bunch of things, including EDH and judging. So good for them. Good for Man and Nation. Good to see more quality articles written by judges. This is Sean Catanese signing off from Great Escape Games here in Sacramento, California. I try to keep it fair. And this is Ricky Hayashi. I do keep it fun. And Jose Boveda, I keep it all and put it in a box and keep it under my bed. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, um, for all of us, get out there, call a judge. Thanks for listening. I bet you're going to keep it real. Oh, that would have been so much better. <laughs> Why did you say that? <laughs> Why did you think of that? <laughs> Why did you say that? <laughs>